Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Kublup campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. The kind of life that they live, as they try and do their best, unbelievers or non-Christians cannot please God, Paul says. They cannot please God. And he says because they don't know him and are controlled not by the spirit but by the flesh. And he says in verse 8, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Well, the word sinful nature there in the Greek, sarx, means your flesh, your human nature. Now, folk, uh, many people deny the fact that we are rebellious by nature. I've given you the illustration before. If we, you were to go to the ocean and uh, Cottesloe, for example, and plant your umbrella in there, if you walk straight into the sea, within 10 minutes you will have moved away. The current naturally takes you away. You don't even know it even if you're having fun. It slowly takes you away naturally. Well, spiritualize that, please. Naturally, our human nature, our sarks, the human flesh, Paul says, it, it drifts us away from God, and we don't even know it. You've heard of the, the story of the frog in a pot of water on the stove. The frog is fine. You turn the temperature on uh, and start warming that water up. Do not try this at home. You turn the water on. It the, the frog's body adapts to the temperature of the water. Eventually, that water begins to boil and the frog boils to death. People begin to adapt to the sin of this world. I mean, if, if our grandparents were alive today and some of the immoral practices we have in society today, they would certainly not be impressed. And we are starting to move in that direction if we don't have the Spirit of God living within us. Because Paul says that we live by the flesh and are controlled by the flesh. That sinful nature. And he says that we cannot please God. The word please, aresco, means we cannot agree with God. We cannot get excited about the things of God. Why? Because God is not within us. The sad part is many Christians or those who think that they are Christians, they say, well, I'm not bad because I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't go to bad places. Well, that's negative Christianity. What Paul wants us to understand, positive Christianity, as the Spirit of God comes in and fills us, so we begin to do the things of God. Not I can't smoke, I can't drink, can't go to bad places, and if I do do those things, then guess what, I feel terrible the next day. No. That's, that's drudgery. That's not Christianity. It's not about doing uh, or not doing the wrong things. Instead, he wants us to understand that the only way we'll be able to clean up our acts is if the Spirit comes in. And so he says a number of things. There are those people who cannot please God. Why? He says because the Spirit of God does not live within them. They are doing their own thing, the desires of the flesh. And they do not have the power to stop them doing bad things. It's like your intention is to vacuum this piece of carpet. You pull out the vacuum cleaner, you plug it in. 
but you don't turn it on, it's never going to work. It's going to stay dirty. And that dirt will frustrate you because you, there, there is no power to be able to, to use that vacuum cleaner to clean the carpet. And so you stay dirty. And that dirt frustrates you. Your bad, my bad thoughts, my bad habits, my bad deeds, they need to be replaced by something that is good. And that is through the Holy Spirit. And Paul reminds us a few chapters later in Romans eleven six, And he says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. He must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Folks, the younger generation said with respect, doesn't worry about that. It's more about me rather than God. And we live in a, a, an amazing country, in an amazing state where we don't really need God. We need Centrelink, but we don't need God. That's the attitude. And so you begin to think that, you know, uh, Paul is right on the money there. He's spot on. Because they cannot please God. Why? Because the Spirit of God is not within them. But he carries on the second point there, that these people do not know God. They don't know God. He says in verse 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. That word not, not have. He can never belong to Christ. Because, number one, he doesn't have faith. Number two, the Spirit of God is not within him. He does not know God. He might know about God, but does not know God. You see, folk, let's be simple and not overly simplistic, but there are two kinds of people on this earth. Those who know Christ and those who don't know Christ. Like that t-shirt says, those who are fools for Jesus and those who are fools for the evil one. You see, if you know Jesus or if there's N-O Jesus, there is no life. But if, if you K-N-O Jesus, you know life, that bottom little phrase there. And so you begin to see what Paul is on about. And we're reminded by one of the, the saddest passages in the New Testament in Matthew 7, 21, where Jesus explains and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. In other words, it's not religion that saves us. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that comes and saves us. Because it's not about me. In my own sinful nature, I'm rebellious. But it's about the Lord Jesus Christ and that personal relationship with him. And so Paul is saying, you don't possess the life of God because you don't know God. In fact, the third point there, there are those people who do not submit to God. They might know about him. In fact, if you look at the last census, many people claimed that they are Christians in our country. Many people claimed that uh, the, the statistics are not going up with reference to those who are Christians. But there are heaps that claim that they are Christians. And Paul says, how can a person, you know, be a Christian in verse 7? That mind is hostile to God. It cannot submit to God's laws. Why? Because... They don't have the life of God living within them. They have the human nature, the life of self living within. There are two Greek words for life in the New Testament. The one is vios or bios, where we get the English word biology or something biological. That's got to do with um, physical life. 
But there's another one, the word zoe, which is spiritual life. And how can they have a spiritual inclination if they don't know God, is what Paul is saying. In fact, Jesus reminded us in John 10.10, where he said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. In other words, a quality of spiritual integrity because you belong to God. How can you have that if you don't know God? And so we're reminded that it's not easy, but it's even harder if you deny the things of God. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, be careful because there are some people living around you there, Timothy, uh, that are causing havoc. And he says in 1 Timothy 5, 6, that there's a certain woman, could be a man as well, living for their pleasure. That, you know, that, and he makes this observation and he says, but she could be he who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. She's dead while she lives. She's dead to Zoe, but she's alive to Vios. She's alive to the physical life, but she's dead spiritually. And Paul explains that to Timothy. She's spiritually dead, and so she's spiritually in need. But she does not understand that. Why? Because there's no Jesus, so there's no life. There is this mafiazo who was quite ill, and he called for the priest to come in. And he tried to explain to the priest how he wants his funeral to be done. And so the priest thought that he'll kind of turn to God in his last moments before he closes his eyes for the final time. He tells the priest, he says, you see that suit hanging there? I want to be buried in that suit. See that bowler hat next to my suit? I want to wear that. Father, make sure that in that coffin I look like that. And you see the cigar? The cigar must be between my fingers. It must be an open coffin so people can see me. And the priest said, no problem. What about God? No, no, I want to be dressed in that in my coffin. And the priest stood up after this mafiazo had closed his eyes for the final time. And conducting the funeral, he said, all dressed up and nowhere to go. And that's many people. All dressed up with all our fancy gadgets and all the rest, but nowhere to go. You know, no spiritual life. No Zoe. And then Paul turns to those, he says, that there is a a different group of people. He talks about, but you, this mind set on the spirit that leads to a peaceful lifestyle in verses 9 to 11. This, this life or, or the spirit that produces life and peace. And in verse 6 he said, the mind controlled by the spirit is zoe and peace. It's spiritual integrity and peace because it brings about this tranquility, this security, this serenity. doesn't mean that, you know, I've got to walk around with a smile on my face 24-7. No, but deep down in my heart, I know that I know that I know that he has got my back because I have spiritual life, because I know him. I have peace with God. I wonder, as you sit here today, do you have that peace with God? Are you redeemed? 
big theological word. It simply means, do you know that Jesus paid a penalty uh, that you owed? He paid for you and for me on a cruel cross on Calvary's hill. And so Paul shares with us three things there as well. Interesting to note that in the first seven chapters of Romans, Paul mentions the Spirit twice. But in chapter 8, he mentioned the Spirit 21 times. Talks about the Spirit in you, the Spirit that indwells you, 21 times. And so uh, a few points that uh, we need to make there. Because the Spirit comes to indwell in verse 9, uh, he says, we are indwelt by the Spirit. And that word indwelt, he comes and he occupies us, he resides within us, he inhabits and cohabits our lives. He doesn't pop in every now and then, but he comes and inhabits our lives. And so the first point there is that, that the Spirit indwells us. John 14, 17, Jesus was about to leave the disciples and he says, Now the Spirit of truth is coming. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you. He lives with you. And he carries on and he says he lives in you. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me. Interesting to note that at the age of 33, if Jesus was in Galilee, he couldn't be at Jerusalem at the same time because he was alive in the flesh. But friends, now that he promised us the Holy Spirit, and that's the point that Paul wants to make, he indwells each and every one of us by his Holy Spirit. The Spirit lives within me. No wonder he says in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, to those crazy people in Corinth, he says to them, what don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That word temple, naos, that's where he dwells in your life, which is in you, which you have, which you have of God. The Holy Spirit dwells within my heart and my mind. He controls me. Why? Because he is the Holy Spirit. We, you and I, are the buildings of the house of God. And, uh, you know, we possess the Holy Spirit within us. And as a believer, as a Christian, our body is that temple. He comes and dwells in our hearts and in our minds and longs to be with us, to guide us and to lead us. And so we need to pay attention to him and to obey him. You'll hear some people say, well, you know, there was, this, you know, there, there was two voices, the one on the one shoulder and the other one on the other shoulder. How sad. <laughs> Meantime, you know that you know that it's the Holy Spirit guiding and leading. And sometimes your conscience, if you're a believer, is the Holy Spirit and makes you miserable if you're living in your sin. I love that. I feel terrible. Good. <laughs> Why? Because he's saying that's wrong. That's the Holy Spirit. It's good for me. Because if I carry on in my sin, I will die. Because the Bible says the wage of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life. It's not the one little voice and the other little voice. It's a temptation that comes. Secondly, he says, you Christians are filled or controlled with the Spirit. Paul is making an interesting observation here. And he says in verse 9, Now you believers, you are not controlled by the sinful nature. Instead, you're controlled by the Spirit. 
Now, folk, we know, firstly, that we are to be indwelt by the Spirit. When I came to faith, whenever that date was, uh, it was the Holy Spirit that comes and indwells me. But friends, I can't run on empty. You don't fill up your car once with fuel when you buy it, and then you go, well, this will last me forever. I wish. <laughs> but you see that funny needle that goes down like this? Take that seriously. <laughs> when your spiritual life starts running on empty, you need to get filled again. Get filled again. And that's why, <clears throat> excuse me, in Ephesians 5.18, Paul writes and he says, Do not get drunk on wine that leads to debauchery. Friends, what he's saying is that don't be influenced by wine because what wine does, whether you like it or not, when you consume it, it leads to The more you take, the more you are controlled and influenced and led to these ungodly things. But instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit. The Greek there, plirus there, be being filled, present and continuous. In other words, when you're slowly running on empty, come and be filled again. Come and be topped up again. Come and get influenced again. Because that's what the Spirit longs to do for us. And it's interesting that no one often speaks about verse 19. Because the outcome of being filled with wine, it leads to debauchery in the works of the flesh. But being filled with the Spirit, we start speaking to one another in psalms hymns, and spiritual songs. In other words, what the scriptures say. How we live our lives because he takes control of us. We begin to act because of the one who's influencing us. When the spirit comes in, we have the spiritual boldness. We get empowered. Uh, we, we live a life that's pleasing to him. Nowhere in the New Testament will you uh, read that you must be indwelt by the spirit. Never. That happens when you're justified, when you become born from above. The Spirit comes to dwell within you. But you can leave it just like that, or you can be filled with the Spirit. And that's what Paul is trying to say. Constantly be filled with the Spirit so you can live a life that's pleasing to Him. And so the obvious question I need to ask, why are some not filled with the Spirit? Well, I think firstly because of ignorance. They don't know that they need to be filled with the Spirit. They don't know that they need to come to Christ daily and be filled with the Spirit. But also because of unbelief. They don't think that there is a need to be filled with the Spirit. They don't, they don't believe that they need to be filled afresh all the time. They have the Holy Spirit perhaps within them, but they're happy to, to run on empty. They're happy to make it into the kingdom of God and into the kingdom of heaven in his presence by the skin of their teeth. One day when they bow the knee before him, they'll get a crown as big as a donut and they'll say, Lord Jesus, I'll give it back to you. They don't desire to have a huge crown to say, Lord, for what you've done for me, I give this back to you in appreciation. And I think there is also the problem why the Holy Spirit doesn't fill us all the time? Because perhaps of a sin that becomes, you know, a, a blockage in our lives. 
a sin that we're not prepared to give up, that we're comfortable with. And as we continue that way, it's hard for the Holy Spirit to come in and lead us. And thirdly, and in closing, I think what Paul is saying that we are renewed by the Spirit. Renewed by the Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit indwells us. The Holy Spirit fills us. But the Holy Spirit wants to, in, uh, to renew us. And he says that in verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead, future tense, will also give life. Zoopio. It's a beautiful, rich word. Zoho, kind of zoe, you know, and bio, that it, it, it revitalizes you and pushes life out of you. I was going to give you the illustration of a pimple, you know, being ready, but I better not give you that illustration. <laughs> Delayed reaction there. When the Holy Spirit comes and renews us afresh, it pushes life out of us. I read this week that uh, now that there is change of seasons, there are leaves that fall to the ground. And they fall to the ground because there is new leaves busy being made, new life coming to that tree. And that new life coming to that tree pushes the old leaves out and they fall to the ground. And that's renewal. That's revitalization. That's making alive and giving life. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you and for me. One baptism, but many fillings. We are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, but we constantly need to be filled again. And he says, 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore do not lose heart. Don't be discouraged, he's saying. Though outwardly we are wasting away, you know, there's aches and pains and thank God for Panadol and thank God for Voltaren and thank God for all these painkillers because you know what, it's, our bodies are wasting away, he says, don't be discouraged. Yet inwardly we are being renewed, we are being renovated and God wants to come and fill us afresh and he says we're being renovated day by day by day. We're being made fresh. I wonder about you. Are you happy to run on empty? Or are you happy to be renewed? Are you happy to be plugged in and turned on? Not just plugged in. The story of a man who was quite good at doing, doing it yourself stuff. And he went into a hardware store and asked about buying a new saw for cutting firewood. The salesman took a chainsaw from the shelf. He told him it was the newest model with the latest technology guaranteed to cut uh, 10 planks of wood a day. Customer thought that sounded great, so he bought it on the spot. Next day, the customer returned looking somewhat exhausted. Something must be wrong with a saw, he moaned. I worked as hard as I could and only managed to cut five cords of firewood, five planks. I used to cut seven with my old saw. Confused, the salmon said, here, let me try it out. And there's some wood at the back of the store, and let's see what's wrong. They went to the back, 
to a woodpile and salesman pulled the starter cord. And as the motor went, vroom, the customer jumped back shouting, what's that noise? Now, the customer trying to saw wood without power of the saw to help him is very much like the believer who attempts to live the Christian life without the daily empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we need to come over and over again on a daily basis to be filled, or else we will try and live lives pleasing to God without the power to be able to do that. It's simple. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you that your word is profound. It's life-giving. And Lord, you long to give it to us. Pray that you'll come and fill us afresh by your Holy Spirit that we may know who you are so we might be empowered to live lives that honor you, that make your name famous in the world today through the lives that we live. We're desperately in need of you, Lord. Help us to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we're going to have communion now. And I wonder if this is an opportunity to be able to celebrate and ask God to renew us by His Holy Spirit. Let me share a thought with you as we share in communion together. You know, when God led the Israelites out of Egypt to go to the promised land, He he took them to the desert and he wanted to supply for them. He was the one that initiated their exit, their exodus out of Egypt, but he also wanted to lead them to the promised land. And the intention was to walk to the promised land in 14 days. But because of disobedience, it took them 40 years. Let me read to you. In Exodus chapter 16, a couple of verses. Verses 1 and 2, it says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Then in verse 10, it says, While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you'll eat meat. In other words, at night you'll eat meat and in the morning you'll be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. In other words, God came and proved himself that he had not leave, left them as orphans and abandoned them. But he was with them all the time. That evening, quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes, like frost on the ground, appeared on the desert. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? 
they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. We carry on in verse 21 and then in verse 36. And it says in verse 21, each morning everyone gathered as much as he needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. Then verse 36, the Israelite The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. I don't know about you. Friends, I know that I know that I know that I need to be renewed every day. I need fresh manna from God every day. I need to read the word every day to be filled afresh to be able to live a life that's pleasing to God. Do I stumble and fall? <laughs> too much. Too much. But can I come back to him and be renewed uh, again daily? Yes, absolutely. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. He said, this is my body given for you. That bread was a symbol of, you know, the bridge between God and humanity that he reconciled us back to the Father. Same way he took the blood, the Jewish symbol of his blood as a new covenant to be renewed for the forgiveness of our sins. If I've messed up, I can come to him and be renewed afresh. So as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, it's a sign, it's a symbol of that, of saying, Lord, thank you for what you've done. You've reconciled me back to the Father. You've forgiven my sins. Thank you, Lord. But Lord, do it daily, please, because I need you every hour. Not when I first became a Christian or once a year or some holy days, once a month perhaps when we have communion. No, I need you every hour. I need you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your body that was put on a cross for us to reconcile us back to the Father. Thank you for your blood shed for us. Lord, we pray that you will come and renew us, Lord. Renew us. We thank you, Lord, for all you've done for us. Fill us afresh with your presence. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.